Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf chof. Today's shir is Ilunishmas Nosan Velvel Bas Ben Abraham and Dov Ber Yakutil Ben Aaron. May they Mashomas have an Aliyah, may the memory be a blessing. It's also for a full shame of Pinchas Kalman Ben Rifka, may have a complete and speedy recovery. Also, like to dedicate today's shirs for Mervyn's father in law, um, Shlomo Ben Yosef. Shmuel, Shmuel Ben Yosef, may he have a his memory be a blessing, and may he be a good, uh, good, good fight for his family, and may his family's good deeds be a good merit for him. I'd also like to dedicate it for a Rafur Shlema for my father, um, Afram Zeb Shlomo Ben, uh, Ben Chaya Chaika. He's having a heart procedure today. So, I know you want to. Oh, yeah. Good news and have good things to celebrate. Um, okay, so let's go. We got up to the Tonura Bonon on Yutesa Mudbeis 19b. It's about the 10th last line. Carrying on with the discussion of Shtaros, a new aspect. Um, so, but obviously built on what we've discussed up here. So Tonura Bonon, Shnaim Chaitwim ala Shtaru Meisu, Uvoy Shnaim in Ashuk for Omru, Yodanu Shaksav Yodom Hu. Aval anusim hoyu, katanim hoyu, upsula elus hoyu, array elu nemonim. If you have two witnesses signed on a star and they have died, so you can't get them to verify the star. And two others, two, two minashuk, two people who know the signatures come and they say, we know that this is their handwriting, this is their signatures. However, they were forced, they were minors, they were not kosher edim at the time, they were too young or they were related to one of the parties through marriage. Array elu nemonim. They are believed. This is very similar to what we discussed previously was where the act, when the actual Adim signed on the star of verifying it, what happened, they have a Pesha, also who a Pesha Hitir, and what happens if it could be or is verified elsewhere from someone else. So now we're kind of discussing if it's verified from elsewhere and you have no other way to verify it. So do we trust them? So... Um, they are believed. And again, this would be, as I said, Hapesha also, who Hapesha Hitir, because what do they say? They're the ones verifying the star. Without them, the star is not verified. They could almost say it's, um, it's not them or whatever. And therefore, by the fact that they're saying it's verified, but we know the signatories were signed under duress, or whatever the exact scenario is, they are believed. So what would Bayesden do with the star? Tear it up. So invalid star and the person will not be able to use it. The two, uh, yeah, just to remind, uh, the two main cases we're discussing is a loan. So the Balchov would not be able to collect the loan with it, or a sale, um, title deeds for land. He would not be able to use these documents to prove that he's the owner of the land. Um, so it's um, if, however, they aid him that this is their their signatures. Or another story, or their signatures are verified by comparing them to another star that was uh, um, uh, complained against, protested in Beisdin, and Beisdin had verified it. Then these two guys are not believed. Why? Again, when the star, well, you know, the two cases are one, obviously, if there are other people to verify the star. So then there are these two people, Minashuk, we'll give them the title, Minashuk, they come and verify the star. When they're the only people we have to verify the star, well then they can say, yes, those are the 
two signatories signatures it's not forged but they were they believed because i have patients but if you have another source to verify i two other people can come and say no those are their signatures or the second case is based in have another star to compare then we would then we would not trust these first two the ones minashuk because they're not the ones who we need to verify the star so the star would be considered verified and who they to come along and protest as validity. Just interesting, what's the second case? So the, the, the language of the Gomorrah is a star that was disputed in Beisdin and Beisdin already verified and now they're comparing the signatures that they verified on that star with the signatures that they verify, that they're trying to verify on this star. Um, that's how they're doing it. There's a discussion, does it have to be a star that was um, disputed in court? What happens if it's a star that for another reason, based in verified it, or uh, or based in verified it, but not because of uh, dispute, just because of standard procedure. So someone who say it does have to be specifically that it was uh, disputed in court, because then based in are going to actually investigate properly. If it's not disputed, then even when they verify it, they're not going to make a big deal about it. So maybe they weren't as careful. Um, that's the one suggestion. The other suggestion um, is that. Let me just check what it was. Um, should find what it was. Um, I can't find where I wrote it, but if I remember along the lines of the main point is most likely the case that based that you would have a verified star is where there was a dispute. Because if everyone, if he produces the star and based in look at it and the guy admits, well then what's the discussion? So why would they have bothered? Um, okay, that's a, that's a side point. Um, Karen says the Imyeche. So nice says we'll make beam Imyeche item. Sorry, Shaksat. Yes. So I'm just going to read this this clause again. It says, If there's proof, there's Adim that this is their signatures and it's proven and other people come and verify it. Or, they have another way to verify the signatures. A star that was protested and proven in Beisdin. They are not believed. Okay? They don't have a pesha, so the star is verified. And they can use it to collect like any good star. So that's now the Gemara is going to challenge us. So you're saying this star can be used. It's by my Trevor Traininu. It's 2 verse 2. You have the two Adim on the star saying this is what happened. And you have another two Adim coming along and saying that's not what happened. So even though the two are oral and the two are on the star, it's two eidim versus two eidim. So Omer of Shaysh Zois Omer is Hachosha Tchilas Hazomahu. Contradictory eidim is this literally the starting point, but it's but in this context it means similar to Hazoma, conspiring eidim. You know, there are two types of Adim where we, where we bring the Adus into testimony. Generally, two Adim is considered the strongest form of testimony. What happens if you have two Adim arguing with what happened? That's what we call hachosha, contradicting, uh, contradicting each other. Another type is hazoma, the case of Adim zomamin. 
Remember the case of Adim Zomamin is where you have two Adim who testify what happens. Two other Adim come and say, we're not discussing the case. We have no idea what actually happened, but these two could not be the Adim because they were with us in another place. So again, you have Ruven and Shimon saying that so-and-so killed, or that so-and-so borrowed money, whatever happened, and then two other Adim come and say, Ruven and Shimon, we don't know whether he borrowed money, we don't know whether he killed. But Ruven and Shimon can't be the witnesses, because on the date that they're saying it all happened, they were with us in, uh, on a tour of Israel. You know? so, so that's Adim Zomim. So he says, Hachosha is similar to Hazoma. In regards, Kashem Sha'in Meizimim Es Adim Elabifnam, just as you're not allowed to testify against Adim Zomim unless they are there, so too you can't contradict Adim unless they are there. So we're learning from Hazama to regular Ados. You want to tell me that those two Adim testified false are lying and you want to argue with what happened? You have, they have to be there in court. And that's what's happening here. So our second set of Adim, in our case, with the star, they're arguing with the Adim on the star. The Adim on the star are dead, as we mentioned, or unavailable. So they're testifying in court, not in the presence of those Adim. And that's why we would disregard the, first, the second set, because they can't testify, not in the presence of the of the Adim star, the sound on the star, and therefore they refute it. So Amalei Rav Nachman, Ilu Havei Kaman, Rav Nachman says, if they were before us, Umachishin, so, yeah, yes, he says, if the first, Rav Nachman's not happy with this, because what have we said? We've said that because you can't testify against the second set, because they're not available, in, you can't testify in front of them, we're going to accept, sorry, because the second set can't testify about the first set, because the first set are not there, we're going to accept the star. It says that's counterintuitive. If they were before us, maybe they would, would agree to the thing. But, but other way, I mean, even if they would agree to what the second set of Adim say, we wouldn't believe them because they're not allowed to retract their testimony. But we would then, we would have a case of two, of tray for tray. So how can you say that because they're not in front of us, we're going to accept the star? Whereas if they were in front of us, we would not accept the shtar. That's uh, counting If this first set of Adim who was found on the shtar were in front of us, and then the and the second Adim would come and argue, we would consider it contradictory Adim, and we wouldn't listen to either set. Because that's what we do with when you have contradictory Adim. So And so now, just because they're not in front of us, and even if they were in front of us, they might actually agree to the second set of Adim. Mehemni, you're going to say you believe the first set of Adim. So again, just because they're not here, it shouldn't give the star extra strength. You're saying, if they were here, we wouldn't believe the people signed on the star. Because we have two Adim arguing with each other. When you have two Adim arguing with each other, you don't listen to either, um, either set. Um, so what, because they're not here, we now say the star is verified. That doesn't make sense. Elo, so, so again, we back to our question is, why does the Gomorrah say that you can use, you have two Adim saying that the people signed on, did sign the star, but they were forced, etc. And we could, and it's verified, and sorry, and it's a, ver, a star verified from elsewhere. We said you can use the star to collect. Why? Why can you use it to collect? So, Elo, uki, trailer, hadi, trailer, uki, You, 
say what you view it as two Adim arguing with two Adim. Again, the two Adim signed on the document versus these two Adim are saying they signed but under duress, etc. And you leave the money where it is. So Rashi explains, remember we treat the land and metal movables differently. Metal whoever is holding on to them. So in this case it would be the borrower. If the, you have the person coming to court with the star and he's saying he borrowed money from me, then the borrower is holding on to the money. He's saying, I didn't borrow the money from you. Um, then now he, so they have to ver or he says that's not a valid star, so they have to verify that star. So we've got the two ADMs signed on the star with an external source verifying it. And we've got these other two ADMs saying, yes, that's their signature, but they were anusin, um, etc. We view it as two contradictory items. You leave the money where it is. If it's land, land we always go after. Cheskas Marikama, the original owner. If we know who the original owner is, and someone claims they bought the land or were given the land, we always, even though they're the ones living in it, we always view the original owners as the muhsak. So the land. So if you sold land and then it became under dispute, and we have to go after Chazaka. Who's the original? Who's the owner holding? Who's the owner? That's the original owner that we're certain of. Um, that's just interesting with land that we have a different type of chazaka. And um, we will learn in Baba Basra the way that you do. You can switch the chazaka if you live on the land uncontested for three years. Then you become the morikama. But here, where the whole sale is under question, you wouldn't have that um, again unless you have the three years. And so, so that's how Rav Nachman explains it. And then he says, and this is Midi Dahava and he says the Barshatya. This is very similar to how they treated the assets of Barshatya. You know, Barshatya was a certain person who at times, I don't know what, he suffered from some mental illness, that at times he was lucid and sane, and at other times he was insane and a shaita. And we know if a shaita does a transaction, it's invalid. So why the Barshatya is of in Nichsei, Asubay Treva Omri Kushuhu, Shaita is of in Asubay Treva Omri Kushuhu, Chalim Zavin. Barshatya sold some property. And Two people came and said he sold it when he was a shaita, it's an invalid sale. And two came and says, no, he was healthy when he sold it. He was sane. So Omar Ravashi, Uki, Trailer, Hadi, Trailer, Uki, Mamona, Becheskas, Barshatya. We put the two Adim against the two Adim. You can't listen to either of them, so you give it back to Barshatya. Again, we're speaking about land, so that goes back to the original owner, Barshatya. Because here he's saying, well, I sold it when I was insane and it's not value, um, not valid. So it says, the law, Amran, Obviously, this is all where Barshatya has a chazoka that it's his father's land. So if Barshatya doesn't have a chazoka that it's father's land, uh, he bought this land. It says, no, we say, well, he probably bought it when he was insane, and now he's selling it when he's insane. I, if you want to uproot, if it's land that Barshatya brought and, you, and now subsequently sold, and you want to uproot the sale saying he was insane, well then you're also going to uproot that he was actually the buyer because maybe he was insane and you've got to give it back. I don't want to go uh, spend too much time on that point. But it comes out that Rav Nachman is explaining the price as follows. When the only Adim... You know, almost in, in uh, summary of what we've just said. Um, when the only aid him to verify it, say it is possible, okay, then they believed because of Hapesha Asur, who Hapesha Hitir. That's when the only aid him to verify it, say that that is their signatures, but they were possible aid him. However, when you verify from another source, 
And now you have two ADIMs. So you have the two ADIM on the star, which is verified. That's like one set of ADIMs. And you have these two people coming and saying, no, it's not what happened. They're arguing with the two ADIM on the star. So we have a tray for tray. And Nachman says, you leave the money as it is. So then he says, oh, but didn't we say... Um, so what's the real, so, so what would you do with the star in this case of where you have two a tray for tray you have two adim you have the two adim on the star and the two adim arguing that the star is not valid you leave it as it is oh so basically aren't going to tear up the star and you're going to leave the money with its chazoka either person currently holding on to the money or if it's a sale of land that they're debating they will return it to the original owner um, the question is um, the star they keep. That's what Rashi points out. They keep the star. And he says, very interesting. What's the relevance? Why do they keep the star? I mean, they can't tear it up as an invalid star because why would you believe the witnesses who are testifying now versus the witnesses signed on the star? So you leave it, he says, because of the scenario. If, what happens if you have top for someone grab property? So the mal there, the lender, let's just take the case of a loan. So we said, we can't do anything here because we have tray for tray. So the borrower is holding on to the 100,000 Rand and, uh, and therefore he gets to keep it. What would be if the Malva, okay, not 100% legally, but not entirely out of Iran's went and grabbed the something of the borrowers worth 100,000 Rand. He had a fancy watch or something like that. And now he's saying, I'm the Muzak. So Rashi says, well, he has a star, so we would leave the money with him. That's top for. If he grabs it, he gets to keep it. Um, Tosas asks, but wait, we have the very famous Sugin Baba Metzio, top for Kohen. What happens if you have an animal that's a Sofeik Bechor? Now we know if it's a regular animal, it belongs to the farmer. If it's a Bechor, it belongs to the Kohen. And the Kohen grabs it. So even though it's a Sofeik, we make the Kohen give it back. So the one answer Tosas give, which I thought was quite clever, uh, is here. Well, yeah, it makes, it makes a, it's a clear distinction, which makes it easy for us. Is here, what's the lender saying? I'm certain he's borry. I have a borry claim. That is my money. I lent him the money. Oh, the star. I don't have a good star, but I still lent him the money. I'm certain. Therefore, if he's thoughtful, he gets to keep what he grabs. However, if uh, in the case of Bechor, the Kohen says, it might be man, it might be a Bechor. He can never say with Bori that it is a Bechor. It's a Sofek Bechor, and therefore he would have to return it. Okay, let's carry on. We mentioned about that you're not allowed to make Edim into Zomim unless it's before them. And you're allowed to contradict Edim if they are not before you. Now why would now this is how Rav Nachman just explained, but now how, why would we make that distinction? Again, it's two it's similar types of saying the Adim who testified are false. The one is they say Ruvain killed and the second set of Adim come along and say no Ruvain did not kill or Ruvain lent the money and the second set of Adim say he did not lend the money. Okay, so you have that's one type of Adim, they're accusing each Adim, each set are accusing the others of being false. And Adazom, as we said, is the special scenario where they're saying, look, we're not discussing the case, but those Adim are false, they could never have seen the event. We're not saying whether the event happened or not, but those Adim could not have witnessed it. Um, now, Rabbi Yavor is saying, like Rabbi Nachman, that Adim Zomim, you have to testify in front of them. You want to accuse two Adim of being Zomim, they have to be there in court. And whereas the second scenario is where you just want to contradict Adim, like in the style, they don't have to be in court. So the distinction is, 
Adim Zomimim, you causing them to be punished. Remember, Adim Zomimim are going to get punished. Kasher Zomom, whatever they try to do is what you're going to do to them. If they were accusing Ruvain of murder, then those two Adim are going to be put to death. If they're accusing Ruvain of having to pay out, or that they're asserting Ruvain has to pay up this 100,000 Rand loan, you're going to make them pay 100,000 Rand. That's what you do. So you're trying to get them punished, and that's why it has to be in front of them. Whereas Adim HaKosha, you're not trying to get the other Adim punished. You're just saying that they're talking nonsense. Or even in our case, it's even better. You're not even saying that, you're not even accusing them of being false, like to a degree of false aim. You're saying at the time when they testified, they were relatives or they couldn't testify. So he says, you know, he says, um, He says, Sorry, where was that? If Adim would testify about other Adim saying that they are Adim Zomamin and they're not in court, it won't count as Hazoma, you won't be able to punish them. However, it would still be considered Hachosh, it would still be contradicting their testimony. And therefore, you couldn't rely on their testimony. So very interestingly, you have this exact same Eidus, they're saying the exact same thing. If the Eidin they are accusing us are there, so, so what are they testifying? They testifying those two Eidim could not have seen the event because on that day they were with us in another city. If those Eidim are standing there, then they turned into Eidim Zombie. If those Eidim are not standing there, then it's just two Eidim arguing with each other. They saying, we saw this happen, and the other two Eidim saying, no, you did not see it happen. So, so that's the conclusion. Going back to the original price we started today with, Remember, the second half of the first price was that if the star is verified, because there are other Adim to verify their signatures, or Beisdin have another star to, to look at and verify, verify the signatures, they are not believed. The two Adim who have stepped forward and said, this is a, this, we saw them, this is their signatures, but they were forced, coerced, or young, too young to sign, etc., something like that, they are not believed. This of Arer in of Arer law. This implies what sort of document can Beisdin use to check their signatures? Again, you have signatures of Reuben and Shimon. Reuben and Shimon have died, so we want to check those signatures so Beisdin can bring another star. He said it has to be a star that has been contested in court. I appeared before court. So there's Masalel Rebiasi. This is a support for Rebiasi to Amar Rebiasi. You are not allowed to certify a star unless it's a star that has been contested and certified in Beisdin. Why? Because if not, maybe the second one's also forgery. Just as you have this first star with Ruven and, Signi- and Shimon signatures on and it's never been verified. So to the second star has never been verified. So just as the first could be a forgery, so to the second one could be a um, a forgery, and that's why you need the second star to be contested in court. As I meant, oh, here's where I have my note. Um, when based here, the Ram says that it has to actually be have been a star that was contested. It can't just be that based in approved it. It has to have been a star that was contested. And the Svara behind that would be because then Beisdin look into it carefully. And on the other hand, the Rosh 
says no. When we say a shtar that was contested in court, it's another way of saying a shtar that was verified in court. But either way, you have to have the, the set of signatures that you want to compare with have to have been verified as valid signatures. This Omri Nahadai, the Nahadai says, this seems to be, I don't know if they're necessarily arguing or so much as bringing another way of, ver- of verifying signatures. It says, You can actually use two other ksubois. Uh, you have a sign, you have Ruben and Shimon signed on this loan document or this thing. They're, they've passed away, so you can't verify. You can go get two other ksubois where they each, where they signed on and compare their signatures to those. Oi, mishtais. Um, sodos, or two title deeds that they've signed on. Vuhu, oh, you want to use title deeds? That's where the owners have lived on that land in peace for three years. I, they have not, their ownership of the land has not been contested. Then you can use their title deeds. I think it is the title deeds that would be the, what's it, the, what's the, the sale document. Yeah. So their signatures are on the sale document, on the title deed. Um, and the owner has lived there, the new guy has lived there for three years uncontested. So now we can take for granted that those staros are valid and you can use them to compare. Who produces the second star that, or these other staros that they want to use to compare? And must be another party. But if he produces the star, it's not valid. I, again, you have the creditor coming, just the once in a while, you have the creditor coming to collect the land. He says, here's my star. The item on the star are deceased and they have no way of certifying it. He says, oh, I have another star. Again, certified in Basin, where you can compare their signatures from. Do we trust his second star? Or even, I think maybe, maybe it's specifically the case of the Ksubos or the field where it's not verified by Bayesian, it just hasn't been contested, so we can assume a ksuba or a title deeds that haven't been contested, we can assume that they're good signatures. So he produces it. He's, can you trust him? He so, so Rav Simi Barashi says, you can't. He says, Why, if he's producing the second star, you don't trust him? Because maybe it's a forgery. He forged the signatures. Well, then, therefore, even if someone else produces a star, maybe he saw the signatures on that star and he forged it. No, we don't go that. He's not going to be able to forge it in that way. Right. If you have this creditor who has this document with their signatures on, he can spend as long as he wants. Uh, what's it, practicing the signatures and uh, tracing the signatures, and he'll come up with a way to forge them onto this new document. So we can't trust him when he had the star that we want to use as the star to check the signatures. Because he's had as long as he needs the time and the patience and the secrecy. But when he's only seen the star that someone else has, he's never going to be able to look at the signatures on that star go home and copy them and forge a document that the signatures are going to be accurate enough. And therefore, if he's the one who produces a star, we don't trust him because it could mean the second one he's forged from those signatures. But if someone else produces the second star, then we can trust the second star and compare the signatures. Um, Just interesting what this sugiya touches on. Few people make note of it uh, using, because based in our kind of using a pitch, they're comparing the signatures. So, can you use like producing photographs as evidence? 
mean, it touches a lot on your vamos. You have a photo of a husband who's been murdered. Can you produce the, Can the wife produce that in court to allow her to get remarried? You know, something like that. And uh, then obviously nowadays we add on the added um, problem with the, what do you call it, where the pictures have, could have been photoshopped. But either way, that's touching on this because basically you're not know, using their, uh, a picture. They use it, they're looking at a star and comparing it to another star as evidence. Okay, now we're going to go on to a fascinating discussion regarding almost, um, well, the Torah says, Eidos has to be oral. Eidim have to say it. So what happens if I saw an event, so I jot down some notes to remind me of what I saw? Or I take a diary. I saw this horrific incident. I saw an accident. I saw Ruve Barama. I just want to record what happened. The Gomorrah is about uh, 1,000... 500 to 2,000 years ago. So, how, how widespread was reading and writing signatures? You know, if you look through all the Christianity, there was nothing going on. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure of true statistics. I know the Jewish people have generally had a very, very high literacy rate. Um, especially because from Rabbi Yeshua ben Gamla, the, he was a he was a tanner. He lived in the time of the second Beis Hamikdash. I think he might have even been a kohen gadol for a stage. He instituted like public schooling, so you'd have all kids would at least taught school, so that they probably had a very high literacy rate. But I'm not sure because accurately. No, it was going, yeah. So look, I mean, remember we did touch on, we did touch on, when someone comes along and says, yeah, those people who were signed on the Shtaras were little kids, or those people who were signed on the Shtaras were relatives, it's, it's a very hard claim to make, because if I'm getting you guys to sign a Shtar of mine, I'm going to make sure you're valid. I'm going to make sure the Sofer knows what he's doing, the scribe can read and write clearly. Um, we're going to touch on over the page using the correct legal terms. Like you're gonna to want to make sure, and you're gonna make sure that the Aiden know what they're talking about. That they first they're not reshoyim, they're not little children. Uh, so, so like as soon as you want to contest that someone on the star or someone involved with this transaction was too young or insane, any, you know, that brings into question because no matter how the people around you how educated they are, you're gonna make sure everyone on your star is valid. That's why I'm saying I can't work out on the sugya exactly because you are gonna want the people involved. To make sure. Okay. Um, to, I mean, it does sound like they had special, um, generally had a scribe that would pay. But, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. But again, you would make sure that they were good Aiden because this, this is your financial security. You're going to make sure they're good Aiden. But did the Aiden actually study the Shtar? Because normally, if I ask somebody for a witness, if this is a witness, they don't even know what a so some, if I remember correctly, this comes up more in Gittin, but are the Aedim just signing that the star was produced? Just to make the document just kind of, Yeah, are they kind of signing like that? Or Ruben and Shimon are standing in front of me and they told me this is what happened and this is the star that they wrote and now I'm signing that? Or am I signing that I saw the event that is recorded in the star? 
that, that I remember, I don't remember the details, but I remember that being a discussion. So, um, but obviously the second version would definitely be superior. All I'm doing, when I sign on this star, I'm recording that I saw this take place. I, this is the written record of what I, the loan that I, I saw Ruven give Shimon the money, and this is what's recorded in the star, the dates, the people. There's the so much uh, um, weight given to, to the, the, to the, uh, to the, yeah, no, to the witnesses. Well, that makes it. Yeah. The witness. I mean, the the, the star is testimony. It's yeah. viewed as testimony, yeah. and it and it's and its strength is the eighteen sentiments. Yeah. But more often than not, the signature of the person signing it, uh, say two or three years go by. You, would be different. You don't even know who, who the signature was, yeah. unless you, you wrote the person's uh, yeah. details uh, Details underneath the signature. Now, Benji walks into my office and I say, oh, Benji, do me a favor, sign as a witness over here, and then five years goes by, I'll put the witness And who's, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's all good questions, I'm not sure. Um, I know, uh, yeah, Staris, yeah, it's a, it's a complicated thing, Staris, and I know it does come up again in getting and and Baba Basra, at least, if not a few other places. So maybe, maybe we'll get a bit more clarity to them, but let's see. So now, Eidos has to be oral. Uh, you have to go to court. So how, how do we view this notebook that the, that the witness has recorded what he saw happen in? A person can write his testimony on a document. Now, we don't mean make a star. We mean just record what he saw happen, his diary, his journal. He wrote it down on a star. Um, and he can use it to testify from after many years. Ravuna says this is where he remembers it from himself. I'll come back and clarify these terms where he remembers it from himself. And Rabbi Yochanan Omar, Afal Pisha, And Rabbi Yochanan says this is even where he doesn't remember it from himself. I Rashi explains what Rav Huna's opinion, both hold that you can use the written text, but Rav Huna requires that he kind of knows the broad strokes of what happened. He's just looking at the star for the details. I, he remember, he says, oh, I remember Ruvain lent him on the money. I remember I saw that's what happened. I'm just a bit rusty on some of the details. He can look back at his notes that he's taken, that style that he has, and use that to testify. Rabbi Yochanan holds there's even a more a lesser requirement. Even if he doesn't remember what happened, but the star triggers his memory. It like awakens his subconscious to like if you asked him, Do you remember did Ruben lend him on money? I have no recollection. And then someone says, well, remember we were standing in the room and Ruvain did it and this is what happened. And he's like, oh, now I remember. Or he comes back a few days later and says, yeah, yeah, now I remember what happened then. He can use his star to, well, either to trigger his memory and then to testify from. However, if he has no recollection and basically all he's doing is reading his notes, his star, then he can't testify. Because again, as I said, the Torah says, it has to be through the mouth, it has to be oral testimony to some degree from his memory. So again, it's quite a broad, uh, I find it quite amazing. Rav Huna is saying as long as he has to be able to remember the broad strokes of what happened and he can use his start to fill in the details, whereas Rav Rabbi Yochanan holds, no, even if you, he doesn't remember at all, but you tell it to him and it triggers his memory, 
even if it takes a few days to trigger his memory, that's fine. He can use his statue to pass. Now, Omar Rabbi Shmami Rabbi Rabbi Yochanan, we learn from Rabbi Yochanan, Hani Bey Chaiti Yoda Sadusa, Umanchi Chadminayu Midbar Chadlechaveira. We see from Rabbi Yochanan, if you have two people who witnessed an event and the one forgot about it, the second one can come and remind his friend. I mean, if you think about it, firstly, some things do take a long time uh, uh, alone. It could be a few years, a few long, you could have a few years to pay back the loan or something like that. That could be one example. Or, I mean, we see in court, sometimes it takes a long time for the whole court case to play out. You know, by the time they get to court and then the lawyers delay it and then they push it off and it could be a good, I mean, big court, that seems the bigger the court case, the more confusion there is about when it should actually start. But we see, like, I mean, with these political trials that are going on now, they're from years ago. Who, like, even remembers what happened then? So that would be, you can remind your co-witness what happens? But you he can also challenge the witness. I mean, if the judge challenges the witness. Yeah, he would be able to interrogate him. He, he's not a, a kosher witness. Yeah, he would definitely he's be. Able. Yeah, he would definitely. The, the lawyer will mix up. Yeah, so he's definitely allowed to. I mean, the judge would have to interrogate and cross-examine the agent to make sure that they speak in the truth. Iboilahu, um, my. What happens if the litigant himself reminds the aid? So I say, remember when you witnessed Ruvain lend me money. I am the one reminding the aid to defend me in court. So that's a little bit suspect because maybe I'm obviously going to say it in a way to remind him that suits me. It says it's valid because again the aid has to, has to have some recollection either that I'm triggering his memory all that, but at the end of that, it's from his memory. My brave Ravashi Omar Atmolo. My Ravashi says he can't. And the Hilkhsa Atmolo, the halacha is that you can't, the defendant himself is not allowed to, or the, one of the litigants is not allowed to trigger the aid's memory. But if he's a Talmud scholar, then we let him, then he is allowed to tell the remand the aid himself. Like Ravashi, New Testament about regarding Rav Kahana. And Omalei, Mi Dochir Mar Hai Sadusa. Do you remember? And Ravashi said to him, Do you remember this testimony? Sorry, Rav Kahana said to Ravashi, Do you remember this testimony? Do you remember witnessing this event regarding me? So Omalei, Law, he said, I don't remember. But don't you remember this and this happened. We were standing here and this and this is what happened. So Omalei, Law Yadani says, I don't remember. The soft idkar Ravashi. It seems a few days later, Ravashi came and said, No, I remember. So you see, Rav Kahana, again, Ravashi didn't remember. This is like Rabbi Yochanan. Ravashi didn't remember the, this, what happened at all. But his memory was triggered. Now, the problem here is that it was triggered by the litigant, which is like a little bit suspect. Like, oh, you remember the court case from the defendant who reminded you what, uh, you know, so, that, so, so Ravashi came and he testified. And he came and testified. He saw Rav Kahana was totally stunned. What are you doing testifying on my behalf? Do you think I'm relying on Rav Kahana? Do you think I'm relying on what you told me I must come and say in court? says, I concentrated, I thought about it, and now I re- and then subsequently I remembered it. So what's Rav Ashi saying? I'm not test of Rav Kahana. I know this testimony is to suit you. 
but I'm not testifying based on what you just told me what happened. After you remind, after you told me that there was such an event, I spent a bit of time thinking about it, and, I, and it refreshed my memory. I remember, and now I'm testifying based on my own memory. But again, I guess only a tzibim rabbanon, only someone like Ravashi would you trust to say that. If I, if Reuven goes comes to me and says, "Remember, I lent money to Shimon. We were standing in the here, and this is what happened." And I say, "Oh yeah," and I go and testify in court. We can't trust that because it's too tilted to the defendant. Um, now we're going to bring a sugya, which is kind of out of place, but it's here we just discussed remembering testimony. So we're going to bring out from the sugya, how long do we rely on someone's memory for? How many years do you get to pull this card? Oh, I remember what happened. So Tanan Hassan, we learned elsewhere, if you have mounds near the city or near the path, whether they're new mounds or old mounds. Tameos, they are Tome, we assume someone is buried there. People were generally buried in mounds because no one's going to walk off the path or off the street to walk over a mound. So they would bury people in mounds. Now, the two considerations. Firstly, if it's a new grave and someone was buried there, people should remember and say, yeah, I remember so-and-so is buried there. But the fact that they're not sure, no one knows that someone's buried there, is, is a hint that it's not a grave. Because again, if it was a grave, people a new grave, people remember. And sec, but there is a chance again, if it's near to the town, that a woman who had a miscarriage would walk, would walk, or near to the road, they would walk and bury in the first the the fetus that they miscarried in the first possible mound. So that's why, if it's near to, we'll we'll def- clarify these terms through the sugya. But if it's near to the ear or the derech then even if it's a new grave that no one knows that someone's buried there, a new mound that no one knows that someone's buried there, we would assume it's Tommy because maybe a woman went and buried a nasal there. However, if it's far from the town and it's new, well then there's no... Why would... No, if it was someone who was buried there, people would remember. It says, chadosh, and that's what we're going to say now, chadosh, if it's far from the ear or the derech, then if it's a new grave, it's a new mound, it's tahor. If it's an old mound, then it's tome, because it's, very, it's a good chance that someone's buried there and no one remembers. Ezu krova, what's considered close? Hamishim ama, within 50 amas, about 25 meters. But Ezu yeshana, what's considered old? Shivshim shana, 60 years. That's Rabbi Meir's opinion. So, as soon as a, if the mound has been there within 60 years, it's considered a new grave, and people should remember that so and so is buried there. If it's longer than that, then no one would remember, and therefore you have to, even if you don't know whether someone's buried there or not, you have to treat it as Tommy. Rebbe Yehuda, I may Rebbe Yehuda argues on both of those. He says, Krova and Krova Heimenu. When it says close to the city, it means it's the closest mound. I think if Rashi explains it, obviously within 50 Amos, let's say there are two mounds within 50 Amos, both new. You only have to be concerned that a woman buried her nafel in the first one, the closest one. The one that's a bit further, but let's say it's only 40 amos away, that you don't have to be concerned because the woman's not going to walk past the closest one to bury the nafel. Remember, she's embarrassed and she's trying to do it in secret and therefore it's, she's not going to do, put in extra effort. Um, she also doesn't want to walk far, far off the beaten track. So that's where Huda says, Co- uh, what Korov is. He says, Yeshana Shain Adam Zohra. 
where no one, what's considered old, where no one remembers. As long as someone says, I know that so-and-so was buried there, or that someone was buried there, that's considered remembered. It doesn't matter whether it's more than 60 years. Now the Gemara asks, my ear or my derech, what are we referring to when we refer to the city and the derech? So, Maybe we're saying literally the city or literally the road. It says, we're not going to say that there's tumor there out of doubt. I, in the random, in the middle of Johannesburg, you're not going to come and see a mound and say that there's a grave there. I mean, we're actually specifically talking about in Eretz Israel, but you near a, a city, you're not going to just say every mound has tumor under, or walking next to a road, you're not going to say every mound within 50 hours of that road is has could have someone buried there. We don't, as we're going to show now, in Eretz Yisrael, we don't attribute Tumor. We want to keep Eretz Yisrael as tohar as possible for Kohanim and people to walk around without there being Tumor. So we're not going to. It says, for Omer Lokish, Ilamatsu, they found a small reason, a weak reason, but Tahara Eretz Yisrael, and they consider Eretz Yisrael tohar. Are we not going to aim Mimachs akin in Tumor? We do not attribute, assume that there's Tumor in Eretz Yisrael out of doubt. So Omri Bizaira, so Bizaira says, what's Ir? Ir has Mukhalabaisak forest. That would be a city, a town close to the cemetery. Viderech, Derech Baisak forest. And when we speak about a road, it's not just any road, it's not a highway, it's not any side street. It's specifically the road on the way to the cemetery. So it says, Bishlam Derech Baisak forest. Makes sense why any mound on the way to the cemetery should be concerned, you should be concerned that maybe someone's buried there. The Zimnin de Misrani, Bain Hashmosos, or Makro Kivro Batal. Because maybe it will be, it was getting late Friday afternoon and they were running out of time to bury the person. So they quickly buried him in the first mound available. So, but this would all be when they started taking him to the cemetery. So that's why any mound nearby the road on the way to the cemetery would be considered you have to be concerned if it's Tom and then you would discuss, oh, if it's near well, if it's new then it's always going to be Tom yeah, if, it's, if it's near, then whether it's new or old, it's going to be Tom Um but then wait, but a city, a town that's near to the cemetery, why any mound that's near the town do you have to be concerned that there's someone buried there? They're always going to be taking their dead to the cemetery. So the Gemara answers, um, because women would bury a navel there. A woman's not going to specifically go to the cemetery to bury her navel. She's going to walk out of town to the closest spot where she can to bury this navel. Oh, um, and another example, people who are have some sort of skin disease and they've had to have limbs amputated, they're going to go bury those limbs Again, in the, they're not going to bother to go to the, to the nearest cemetery, even though the cemetery is quite near. They're going to go to the first mound and bury there. Up to 50 amas, they would go, this woman would go by herself. If there's only mounds that are further than 50 amas away, the woman's not going to go by herself. She's going to be accompanied by a man, and then she's going to go to the cemetery. Hilkach. And this is reason, therefore, we do not assume that there's Tumor in Eretz Yisrael. Again, only if it's close to a city, which is near to a cemetery, it seems. Now, I still don't understand why the city has to be near to the cemetery. But it does seem to be a fact. I have to check that out. Um, but if it's near to a city, then we have to be concerned. Even if it's a new mountain, people don't know if someone being buried there. They have to be concerned that a woman or a mukashin 
a woman buried her navel there, a miscarriage there, or, or a mukashkin buried there, one of their organs there, one of their limbs there. Um, whereas if it's far from the city, then unless it's a then, then you don't have to be concerned. A woman wouldn't walk far from the city. They would have gone to the cemetery. If it's a road on the way to the cemetery, then again, only if it's near to the road do you have to be concerned about the, and, uh, someone being buried there. But if it's far from the road, then you don't have to be worried. Because let's say they were rushing late Friday afternoon and they had to quickly bury the person. They're not going to walk far away. They're going to bury them at a close mound. Um, it seems, however, if it's far and old, then you have a suffix and you have to be concerned. Um, yeah, interesting halacha that touches, that they, they discuss in regards to the sugyes, the chiyuv to bury a limb. That someone has to have a limb amputated, you have to bury it. Do you have to, is it? Etc. Omar Rav Chizda, Shmamina, Mi Rebi Meir. So Rav Chizda says, we learn from Rebi Meir. Now this is why it's relevant to our sugya. We see that people can be relied on to remember testimony for 60 years. Because that's when they, that's how long we said it. What's considered a new grave, a new mount or an old mount? 60 years, because that's how far people remember. But that's not true. No, there, because it's not his problem. It's no specific person's problem to remember where people are buried. So since it's not his problem, he takes less concern about it. Whereas here, this testimony, he is the witness. It is his problem. It, the obligation to remember is placed on him, and therefore he will remember for even longer. I know they've done, a, what's it, I don't know, a social science study along the lines of like studying how people work, and they found that if someone like acts injured in a very public area where there are lots of people, he's less likely to get help, because everyone leaves it to someone else. Whereas if he's in a more deserted area, almost the first person or the second person who comes along is going to help him because it's, the obligation is almost placed. I think it's the same thing. These graves, these, un, these mounds, it's not an obligation of a specific person. So no one really puts in effort to remember. That's why Rabbi Meir says the cut of time is 60 years. It's still quite a long time, but he says the cut of time is 60 years. Whereas by Eidos, it is the responsibility of a specific person. It's the responsibility of the witness. I call you in to watch me to watch the loan take place. I, saw, I call you in to watch the sale. And therefore the responsibility is placed on you and you'll remember for even longer. Okay, we'll leave it there for today.